0: than we were to Foggia, and the entrance to Longskirt was only a short distance from us, a mile or so, as I remember. Our squadron area was usually quiet, except on mornings when we were preparing for a mission, or when, on rare occasions, units of the British Eighth Army moved by our camp. A ruddy-faced sergeant-major always led the column, and always there was a piper right behind him. The English were old hands at this, Their armies had marched these roads before, in other wars, in other years. We were new, self-conscious with our destiny, and never would manage to be like them. Even the music of the Piper was primitive, calling glory from ancient battles to echo courage in their hearts. As they passed by, they would always salute our colors. The Sergeant Major's yell of command would come clear to us, through the crashing rumble of their tanks— through the din of hundreds of boots battering the dusty road, through the air swirling in movement as this melee of men and machines moved by. His shout touched us with tribute, and at last made us one. I never did find out where the other three squadrons in our bomb group were located. The only comradeship with them was in the air. Our squadron was a world apart, a casual village of tents and small gnarled trees, the tents, like houses in a village, varied in style and elegance. Some were models of good labor. They put up a brave front of secure comfort with wood floors made from bomb crates and crude furniture made from the same material. A few even had flower pots hung from the door frames to catch the light. But the plants didn't grow. Indifferent gardeners gave them little care, and the wisps of pale greenery struggled against the sunless days. There were other tents beyond redemption, erected in contempt of any acknowledgment of permanence. Their poles were awry, their lines slack and poorly pegged. They shuddered, flapping in the cold February winds, like the tattered pennants of desperate men. I moved into an already-erected tent with three new comrades in February of 1944, having been transferred out of a B-24 outfit farther south after nine missions. The previous tenants were gone and lost. The reason for my transfer was that I had B17 time and the 301st, a B17 group, was in need of pilot replacements. I regretted leaving my original crew back in Cherignola, although my disappointment was reconciled by a kind of relief. Anonymity had its advantages. Camaraderie among crews that had been together a long time made each member vulnerable and was a burden of love that couldn't flourish. It was better to be alone. The tent fell somewhere in the middle-class bracket, not fancy, but comfortable. There was a wood floor, and best of all, a stove that worked. A good stove that didn't blow up when igniting it or during operation was a prized possession. The installation was always the same, yet some worked well and others didn't. This stove was a good one, like all the others, it consisted of a glycol tank that had been removed from an aircraft's de-icing system. The tank was mounted on a stand outside the tent and filled with one hundred-octane fuel. The gas was then piped into the tent and was allowed to drip through a small petcock onto a bed of small stones. If all went well, the vaporizing gas would be ignited and would burn steadily. A split half of a fifty-gallon drum would then be placed over the burning gas to contain the heat and radiate a comforting glow. This was the way it was supposed to work. When success wasn't achieved, the results could be dramatic. Rich Egan was a madman, and his tank was a menace. His piping was a disgrace. His joints weren't sealed. This was the third tent he had blown up. It was a better fire than the last one. When I was in his tent, there was octane all over the bloody floor. Why didn't he let someone who knew what he was doing fix the goddamn thing? Did you see the crazy son of a bitch run when it went up? I never put Egan down myself, because I knew if I hadn't moved into a tent that had a stove already installed, I'd have botched up the job much worse than he. Besides, I liked the man. There was a passion in his ineptness, and his pyrotechnics were the talk of the group. No doubt about it, Rich added to our reputation. He gave us style— there were other originals too art dillman for one was secretive and gentle as egan was precipitous and violent art disregarded the war as much as possible and concerned himself only with his dogs a dachshund bit.